Hi, welcome to the Following Films Podcast. Every week we explore the creative minds behind the arts. I'm Chris Maynard, your host, and today we have a special guest with us, Art Alexa Key from the band Everclear. We're going to discuss their latest album, Live at the Whiskey A Go-Go. But before we jump into the interview, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Bookman's. Bookman's is an independent bookstore that provides a vast range of options for books, movies, music, and more. They truly believe in the power of storytelling and the magic of the creative arts. So if you wish to enhance your music, film, or book collection, make sure to visit your nearest Bookman's, as there are always incredible discoveries to be made. Have you already followed the Following Films podcast on Spotify? If you have, well, thank you. If you hadn't, head on over to Spotify, search for Following Films, click that follow button. It would mean a lot to us and help grow the show. And as a bonus, we have a giveaway for the new Christopher Nolan film, Oppenheimer. Two lucky winners will receive digital codes from Universal Pictures. To join the contest, all you have to do is follow the Following Films podcast on Spotify, take a screenshot, and send it to chris at followingfilms.com. So don't miss a chance and follow us on the show. You can also support the show by becoming a paid subscriber at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash following films slash support. Easiest link ever. If you didn't get that for some reason, it's in the show notes. Live at the Whiskey A Go-Go is available wherever you buy or stream music. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Do you, do, you go by Christopher or Chris? I, either way is fine. I think Chris is what most people call me. So okay. uh, when you have the last name Maynard, you end up with a lot of people that call you Maynard also. So I'm Maynard. I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty uh, comfortable with whatever. I'm not too picky on it, honestly. Okay, very cool. Uh, but um, thank you for taking time to do this, man. Um, I I was honestly, I was really happy last week when you canceled due to a family thing. You had something going yeah. on. And because one of the reasons I wanted to do this, I, I'm, I hope everything's okay. But one of the reasons sure. I wanted to do it was your involvement in the other F word. Um, that is something that just, that movie means a ton to me. And it was something that I just wanted to touch on. And it's like, oh, he, he's doing dad shit. Great. Yeah, that that's perfect. So yeah, was, that's exactly what I was doing. My daughter got busted. Uh, oh no, getting on a vape in school, and she had never done it before, and she got stoned, and <laughs> she, her heart was palpitating, and she threw up because pot the pot today is so strong, and uh, just she got suspended, and we had to go get her reinstated today, and um, you know, I think it's going to be a good lesson for her. Um, she didn't enjoy it and it kind of kicked her ass a little bit. And, you know, that's, it's just what life is. Life will kick your ass and you, it, it doesn't matter how many times it happens. It matters how many times you get, get back up again and how you get back up. That's been my experience for me. And, um, so yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry. I had to cancel on you, but it was just like, Oh shit. No, Gotta- I, I get it. And when I was a kid, when I was in high school and the first times I smoked pot, it was nothing like it is today. It was oh. it, it, night and day. I, I can't even imagine. It's like taking acid, the degree of like what pot does to you compared to what it It was like. It was like a beer when I, when I did it. Now it's something, it's a lot stronger than anything I ever did. Well, you know, I'm sober and clean 34 years, but you know, back in the day, man, you get a joint of like some of that Mexican weed and, and, you and your buddies take a few hits, you get a nice little buzz, right? That's it. You know, you're laughing. You're just, you're, you're not paranoid. You're not this. 
this new shit is just like, you know, it's like incredibly strong and people go into psychosis all the time. Yeah. All the time. Hospitals are talking about it. They're like fentanyl and then weed, especially in places like California where it's legal. Um, and they're selling that engineered, that Canadian engineered stuff that's like, you know, old pot. When I was smoking it, maybe you were, it was like 100 to 200 mics of THC per, per like ounce. And now it's like 5,000 or 10. Oh my God. Yeah. No, it's that intense. What's fun about that? That's that does not sound like a good time. What do you want to be? I don't understand why you want to be that stone. I don't, I don't, I just, I mean, if you want to get that stone, do something that makes you feel good, like heroin. <laughs> That's, you know, the old blues guy said, if, if there's something better than heroin, God kept it for himself. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, oh but, uh, you know, you know, um, it was, I think it, it's because of all the ramifications and the consequences, it's turning out to be a learning experience. And, you know, she was feeling sorry for herself for a day or two, but we, we got her back up and she's, uh, I think she's, she's good. She's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. I mean, and I think it's going to be one of those things that I'm glad happened now when she's surrounded by people instead of like going into psychosis somewhere when she's like in college in a dorm, you know? Um, oh, it, it's one of those things that it's just, yeah, do it when you're in a protected safe place, figure that out. Cause you, cause you're absolutely right. It's, I, I mean, I've, I made plenty of mistakes in my life and it's the, a lot of those things are defined the character of who I am. And I'm glad I went through all the shit I went through. I wouldn't take back any of it, but when you have kids, you really want to protect them from your mistakes. And, and unfortunately they have to learn a lot of that crap on their own. They do. So, do you have children? I do. I have two, I have a 13 year old and a seven year old. Okay. So you're right on the brink of going into being a teenager. I, yeah, he's he's full on teenager yeah. right now. So it's uh, it's pretty great. I, I kind of I, there's uh, yeah, there's a lot of elements of it that are hard. But the, the well, fact wait that he goes to high school, was he in eighth grade? This he's year? in eighth grade. Yeah, he'll go next yeah. year. Next year. It's a whole different world. dude. How does it change? Just I mean, he's going from this size pond to this size pond. And, you know. He's not the big fish in the pond anymore. He's the minnow in the pond. And all these kids up here, all the cool kids. I mean, that kind of hierarchy hasn't changed since we were in high school. You remember going to high school and you're like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And you, you'd be freaked out, but you couldn't let your friends know you were freaked out, you know. And uh, I, uh, she handled ninth grade pretty well. But I hear a lot of kids start experimenting with rebelliousness, with defiance, and all sorts of stuff in tenth grade. That's that's I about when defiant, I got there. Re, I was defiant and rebellious from the time I was six. So <laughs> still am. So I don't. I, I I I'm not. I'm not the gauge to go by. You know. But um. It is, it is what it is, man. I love being a parent, as I'm sure you do. Yeah, very much so. Best thing that's ever happened to me. 
uh, got a 31 year old daughter and she didn't have, she didn't have addictive or, um, drug or alcohol issues at all. Whereas this one, I always knew that she was going to be a challenge. I can just tell when she was a baby that, or the three, four years old, that she was addictive personality. I could tell. Well, we can we can smell our own when it comes to that stuff. You know, it's there's certain things I can see in oh, both I know my you. sons. I yeah, know you. yeah, I, I've I've seen this before. Yeah, I, I know where the, I know how this story ends. So I've been down that path, and I'm I'm going to be here to help you through it. And I know there's some stuff you got to figure out on your own, but I'm I'm hopefully I'll be there in a way that my old man wasn't, so that we can uh, get exactly. through this together. So, but exactly, um, of the live album, I, I just I'm really excited that you did this. I've been listening to it for a couple of weeks now. Um, and it's phenomenal, man. This is, I'm wondering what made you decide to do the live album just because, I mean, it's such a long history for me. The first one was kiss alive was the first live album I got when I was a kid. So, and it It was most, most people's first live album. Was it yours also? Or yeah. But, and then uh, Gene Simmons talked about his favorite live albums and he talked about the Who Live at Leeds, and I went back. Yes. I, much that. later, I found it. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, he talked about um, uh, uh, God, what's the name of that band? I'm blanking on that band. Uh, uh, one of the Live at the Fillmore bands. Um, oh, there was uh, a couple of them that did Live at the Fillmore. Was what's it? His, what's the name? That uh, I don't even know. Did Doc. the band do it there? Also, uh, I can't remember not the, the band. Um, like Steve Marriott's lead vocalist, 30 Days in the Holes, or hit single. I'm blanking. But um that live album is phenomenal. Um, even even the the uh Almond Brothers, and I'm not an Almond Brothers fan. Um, it's too jammy for me, too hippie for me. But man, live, them doing whipping post live is just oh, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Whipping that's a whole nother thing, man. That's and even Statesboro Blues live, but yeah. whipping post live is just killer yep right i mean and you know growing up uh before i got into punk uh and new wave i got into rush like the summer before and i still love rush they're undeniable yeah i still love zeppelin i still love a lot of that stuff but for the most part i tend to well like when cheap trick came out they were my shit man kind of punky kind of new wave stripped down not long songs great melodies biting lyrical content uh and just wicked sounding rock and roll and uh early acdc with bon scott big oh my fan god um i love rock and roll man i love yeah. dave Edmonds. i love that whole scene um i just love rock and roll i do to this day i'll always be a rocker well, oh. I think it's it's a, it's a live medium. It was live music that when I was a, you know, you talked about that idea of finding, you know, being intimidated when you were in high school and seeing those kids that were older than you and coming across all that stuff. It was finding my own world and, you know, going to punk rock shows when I was in, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th grade and going up to Philadelphia to see shows that was defined who I was in a lot of ways. And I, and I found this whole family outside of myself through that. And, but it right. was always the live element of it. Um, the albums could be good sometimes with some punk bands. I loved them. Quality recordings weren't always there. 
Um, I, I don't think people go back and listen to the adolescence because of the quality of the recordings. No, so. absolutely. Absolutely not. But there's that intensity. I mean, you listen to the soundtrack of the decline of Western civilization. Sure, yeah. And get out of here. It's awesome. It's so good. Just, just like I was a huge X fan. That was my that was my shit. I wanted to be John Doe and I wanted to be married to Xene. Los Angeles is undeniable to me. It's just, and you're the talking first about album. Yeah. I, I think the first four albums are pretty all the way there. And then not a fan of anything but, after that, but four albums though, it, that, that that's at that point, you get a lifetime pass for me. You know, it's, yeah. I will always be a fan. If you, if you give me that much, it's I just, think we got four good live out. I think we got four good albums. You do. You got, um, you know, I, and actually, I think our last record we put out in 2015, uh, Black is the New Black, which is a really heavy record. Um, I think that's one of our best, actually. But well, it's, I, I was going to say, you're even something like Sing Away. That's it's one of your better songs, man. That's a great song. And it's kind of buried in the album. So hang out till the end, because yeah, I think it's, it's one of the best songs in on the album. Honestly, you know, that's that's a single. Have you seen the video? I have not. No. Watch the video on YouTube, Sing Away okay. and the girl in it, the little girl in it, uh, that is the girlfriend of the boy of the protagonist. Um, that's my daughter. Oh, my, yeah. Nice, man. Yeah. She looks like she's 13. She's not. She <laughs> just hit 16 Friday. It was her sweet 16. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. But um, thanks. And, you know, that's the, that is the first song that's, it's getting played on the radio at, at different places across the country, some rock stations, some alternative stations, some uh, classic rock stations, some a lot of uh, college yeah. or, or community radio. Yeah. And I think we're getting paid on 25 to 30. Right. At one point we were. I don't know what we're still getting played, but I know they're playing us in L.A. at uh, Cal Northridge. They're playing us all the time. So. That's great, cool. man. But 30 years in and it's still resonating with people. And I think that the way you were talking about Cheek Trick is the way I would talk about your band as well. Okay. You have you have this really you have powerful guitars, you have a vulnerable, um, deceptively um simple but powerful lyrics where you're just you cut straight to the point in a way that there's it's just really impressive and but there's a level of vulnerability in your lyrics that's pretty rare um, in popular music. And and I, I don't know if that goes back to the uh, punk rock days, that kind of thing of just putting it out there. Um, but that can't be easy to be as open as you are. Well, you know, one, I come from a background of crime and uh, you know, I grew up in a housing project and uh, used to think I was a thug back in the day, carried a gun dealt drugs, did all that stuff. So um, there was a lot, built up a lot of, you know, armor and a lot yeah. of um, subterfuge and just, just re-diverting people um, from who I was because I had been raped when I was eight. And I, I was, you know, I had a, I had a lot of, uh, you know, my dad left when I was six. Um, my brother died when I was 12. A lot of, a lot of PTSD, man, you know, I'm doing a lot of EMDR still. <laughs> you know, I would imagine, man. We're going through that trauma. 
And, but that being said, just as a kid who grew up with the Beatles and the Stones and, you know, those bands, I love a storyteller. Dylan, I love a storyteller. And I love songs in the first person. And I love songs that tell stories that are poetic, but they don't dick around, you know? They, they tell a story, a linear story, um, but at the same time, in a way that's poetic and full of light and, and balance. Yeah. And that's what I've, I've aspired to. And there's a few songs where I think I've nailed it pretty hard, as far as I'm concerned. There, there's I, a song called Learning How to Smile. Mm-hmm. It's on our fourth album. I think that's one of my better songs. But then it's there's these different sides of it like something like heroin girl i think also encapsulates that but it has a younger man's voice and as you can hear there's more perspective with years when you go through the songs though and i and i think that's really but it's there the root of it you can hear that um vocal intention i think right away thank you i i, I think you're right and when you hear the live version of it it's like um you know Today's episode of the Following Films Podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So the last time I went into Bookman's, I went straight over to the movie section as I often do, and I was so excited because one of my favorite things that happens when I go in there, I'm looking for a movie and I don't know exactly what I want to see, something I've been meaning to see, and there's a blind spot. And when I saw East of Eden, I was super excited because it's a movie I've been wanting to see for years. But for whatever reason, I've just never gotten around to it. So the film adaptation of John Steinbeck's East of Eden, it's a powerful cinematic achievement. I I know I'm not the first person to say this, but it absolutely does justice to the novels, what can only be described as profound themes and the complex characters. It's directed by uh, Kazan and features outstanding performances uh, from the whole cast, but mainly here by James Dean as uh, Cal Trask. The film captures the essence of the book while adding its own visual and emotional dimension. Uh, The cinematography, which looks absolutely incredible in 4K, captures the rugged beauty of the California landscape. So it sets the stage for this intense family drama that unfolds throughout the film. And the screenplay manages to condense this complex novel that is East of Eden without feeling truncated. It makes this really intricate plot, takes that and then just condenses it down and really only gets the essential elements of it. And all the themes are still intact with love, jealousy, and the struggle between good and evil. That's all there. And it doesn't feel like a lesser than it feels like a compliment to um if you've read east of eden and haven't seen the film definitely catch up on it highly recommend it if you've only seen the film and haven't read the book definitely check out the book as well it's worth your time uh, but in the movie james dean's portrayal of the troubled cow it's nothing short of iconic uh it showcases his raw talent and charisma the supporting cast is also incredible especially julie harris i think does uh, equally compelling job here um, with just an outstanding performance and 
there's a depth and authenticity to these characters that wasn't very common for this time. So it's something pretty remarkable here. Uh, East of Eden, it's absolutely a classic that continues to resonate uh, to this day, still holds up. Um, I think that's mainly because of its exploration of human nature and the complexity of family dynamics. It's a timeless masterpiece that deserves a place in the annals of cinematic history. I, I think it's there. It just took me a long time to catch up with it. Uh, this is a must-watch for anyone who appreciates powerful storytelling and exceptional performances. So remember, next time you go to Bookman's, they have your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. It's an older man singing it, but it's still a younger man's voice. Yeah. yeah you know, um, and uh, I like that. I like that dichotomy. Well, know? it's like, it's let's try like on this old bomber jacket again, see how it fits for a minute and just kind of. I wear it all the time, dude. <laughs> I'm still wearing my black jean jacket that I've had for I don't even know how long. Well, I mean, I still have. I, wear, my... I still wear Levi's. <laughs> I mean, no. it's, it's the uniform. It's hard to let go of. It's just, there's, there's well, a, a point in, I think, uh, a younger man, it's a lot of what you define is by right. what you consume. And I think as you age, it's about what you make that matters. It's about right. what you create. Um, it can be the art that you make, the work that you do, the, you know, the family that you raise, those things, it's what you create that matters. You know, when you're a young punk, it's about what you're consuming and what you're destroying. And so I think as I've, I've gotten older and matured, hopefully a little bit and grown, it's uh, really about what I'm building now in life. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm 61 and I'm still, and I've got MS and, you know, all the, the end of my life is not that far away. Hmm. And I don't say that being a fatalist, it's just true. You know, we live about 80 years. Most people, 75 to 80 years. Right. Lucky. So I got about 20 years. Um, I want to spend them not in a wheelchair, you know, um, with my disease. That's a very, very pop possible, if not probable future, um, depending on how I eat, taking my medication, my exercising. When I leave here, I'm going to go home and take a swim in my pool gotta swim every day it keeps it keeps the uh the mris away you know <laughs> having to do mris uh which is a good thing you know getting older just kind of sucks man how old are you what 40 i'm i'm, I'm 47 yeah so so yeah. i'm i'm closer to 60 than i am to 30 at this point it's it's well you you get to that age no you're, you're not well but yeah by two, yeah i am yeah by two, by two <laughs> I'm 47, <laughs> so I'm th I'm 13 years away, and I'm 17 years past 30 at this point. So yeah, I mean, it's I feel more akin to that side of things. And you start looking, it's I have more years behind me than in front of me at this point. There's just I'm I'm not going to make it into my 90s. I don't and, see that. Oh, I don't want to. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't want to be like shitting in a bag, living on, no. you know, like being kept alive by wires. And I don't want that. I don't want to be. I don't want to be like that. I'd rather walk out in the desert, throw a bunch of meat on top of me and get eaten by coyotes after I shoot up a couple of speedballs, of course. <laughs> you know? You're going to go. I mean, yeah, if you're going to go out. You're going right? to go, go, right? <laughs> get some headphones, throw on, um, you know, some Velvet Underground and, and call it a day, man. Fuck that. Iggy Pop and the Stooges, dude. See, I, I, my, my, I'm my, my, 
my, my death song if I, uh, <laughs> I, I it was always going to be sweet nothing if I had a death song that was going to be okay. a Red Velvet Underground so okay. but I although I guess um, those first couple of Iggy Pop records wouldn't be bad either though the 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 I I think well the first one's got some great songs but the second one is is a great record uh, Funhouse is a great record mm-hmm. the song on it called Dirt it is just that bass line. Boom, down, boom, 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 boom. I, it's just it's awesome. It's never there, covered it. It doesn't need to be covered. It's too good. Leave it alone. It's like Beatles songs. Don't don't cover Beatles songs. Leave them alone. You're not going to add anything to it. Not you're, adding you're, anything. And you're not going to make it sound like you. Leave it alone. You know. <laughs> and I've always I'm 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 blessed that I've always felt like that. You know, like some songs we've done a lot of covers, and. I don't think about making it better. I think about doing it with my voice and my idea, but while retaining what made the song great and respecting that, you know, the hook, uh, uh, the that kind of thing. Um, we just got done touring with a band whose one hit, one claim to fame, was covering a Don Henley song. And Oh, uh, the Ataris. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And it's great. You know, it's a great cover. Um and it's very similar to the original, just uh, just enough different that it's an Atari song though. It's just that little bit different, but it's very similar to the original in a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 It is. I mean, they they didn't reinvent the wheel, you know. They didn't they didn't they didn't do that. Um but uh but my point is they did a great cover, and I think it's respectful, and it sounds like the Ataris. Oh yeah, and but, they they have a lot of other stuff though. They're they're a solid band. They're I think they have uh, quite a few good songs. I've enjoyed them. They're they're a good band. How was that you tour? Like pop, you like the pop punk? Well, um, I, I like everything, man. I mean, that was the like when I was. That's what you grew up with. It was part of it. Um, I grew up close to DC area, so it was a lot of like the third wave kind of the fugazi the minor threat and all that stuff was already done but then you know by the time i was in high school yeah the pop punk stuff started getting popular but it was it was mostly hardcore um you know but there's a deep love back there he's like (laughs) yeah exactly like he didn't know you were (laughs) you were on uh oh no he's just used to it at this point i know Uh, but like the descendants to me that's that's something one of the first bands i really fell in love with and that's to me that's probably the first pop punk band I heard, of. yeah, I would say, yeah, definitely. They, they, um, I heard them on the radio when their album Cheer came out with, uh, um, uh, not Cheer, um, what was it? Enjoy, 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 was, enjoy. Yes, yes, yes. Song with Cheer, and uh, I heard Cheer on the radio. And I'm like, what the hell is that? That's awesome but they they played so fucking fast and it was so, so melodic at the tight. same time yeah it's so tight mm-hmm. i mean they still are they still play and they're so tight yeah all those south bay guys um i'm friends with jimmy from uh pennywise and i've met a lot of those old guys that i kind of grew up with you know milo and all those guys um it's uh i i i love power pop I never really, I don't know if I would put the the Ataris or or MXPX into that book. 
personally for me. But uh, there are some great pop punk bands that there, are. Yeah, I, I, what, what would you call that then? I mean, it's I, I don't know. I, I think no, it's a, no, they're pop punk. I just don't okay. think we're at that level. Oh no, 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 not at all. There's a there's definitely levels to to that thing and no i would not put them in even a pennywise level for me personally and no. but that's just those were the i don't know there was something there was never any cynicism in the those bands in their music and i think that that's what it really is it was all that i never felt like they were following a trend it was they were following their hearts more than anything yeah, i think you're right i think they were following what they liked yeah um, one of my favorite bands of that ilk that came out was a band called chicks dig it out of canada yeah yeah, yeah. because they were just so much fun all their songs were about what their their moms mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. they were great or, or smoking pot thc <laughs> i'm gonna need some tlc you know <laughs> i got plans for you tonight and i'm just <laughs> well I, okay clever but with that um i think that your your album falls into that though. It shows how what a fun live band you are and that you oh, can you do it live. Uh, live at the Whiskey of Gogo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think, you know, you can definitely hear our, our punk roots coming out there. Oh yeah. Know, old school punk roots. Um, you know, when people go, You don't sound punk, you don't sound like Goldfinger or this and then I go, dude, my my punk bands that I saw when I was a kid were live X. Um, you know, all the all the all the LA punk rock bands, San Francisco punk, the nuns, the Avengers, you know, that's what I saw growing up. Um, one of my favorite bands from that time, uh uh Asian Orange. Oh my uh, god, yeah. Mike yeah. Palm, yeah, and uh you know, a lot of the New York stuff, of course. You like know. Gorilla Biscuits and that kind of stuff, or earlier than I don't that? No, nah, it was a little later. Oh, a little, a later. Yeah, that was a little later for me. We're talking late 70s, early 80s. Okay. Pretty much. But X was the king of the hill, as far as I was concerned. When Los Angeles and and uh Wild Gift came out, that was it. That was that was that was it for me. And then hardcore, you know, that came out. Circle Jerks and uh, a Black Flag, and and I liked their music. I liked how noisy and stupid and just you know unrelenting in your face like a fist it was. But you go to their shows, and it was all full of like suburban dickhead jocks, yeah. you know, slamming into girls, you know, and that's when slam dancing and later becoming moshing can't be became now you go to mosh pits and it's like choreographed and these kids are doing kung fu spin kick moves and stuff it's come up to me kid i'll take this chain wallet the i'll take this wallet chain that i still wear wrap it around your neck let's see let's see if you do some pretty moves for me i I didn't get into punk rock to learn dance moves It, it was because i couldn't dance was a big part you, of that. You, you get into punk rock to avoid learning dance. Exactly, man. The antithesis of that. <laughs> you know, like like it, I maybe pogoing was about as deep as I would get into learning a dance. So that's that's what we did back in the days. Was yeah. pogo. You know, um, I uh, 
when I was 16, the guy that lived in the apartment uh, above us, um, he he dealt pot and I mm-hmm. sold pot for him and stuff like that and do and do like nefarious things. Um, um, but he uh, he asked me if I wanted to go to San Francisco with him and his friends to see um, the Sex Pistols at the Fillmore. Oh, wow. Winterland. Winterland. Not, not the Fillmore, Winterland. And I'm like, yeah. I didn't know he was gay. And we went up and stayed in the Castro with, you know, I was a little 16-year-old boy with a bunch of gay men. And I've never been safer in my life. Yeah. They just protected me and took care of me. And it was just a wonderful experience. And I never was freaked out by it. But, but you know, later I told my mom, like, you're decades later. She's like, I knew that guy. I knew that guy was weird. I'm like, <laughs> it was a weird mom. Well, it was a. Uh... I was a theater kid. So I was, you were a theater, you were, you were a drama club kid. Yeah. Well, I was a, I was an electrician and a carpenter. So, but I, I was, I've always been somebody that was drawn to art and artists. So just the, I just wanted to be around that. And so you you were like crew for them. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And so that, that was all my, those were my friends. Those are the people that I grew up with. And so it, yeah, it was a group of, weirdo misfits but you're right i never felt safer than when i was with those guys you know it was uh we were a tribe we were just the people that didn't quite fit in anywhere else and it was you know you go to a place like castro or somewhere like that and it's just you see that there's oh there's a whole world of us it's you know we are we there's a there is an island of misfit toys that we can go to there's these places that we end up carving out for ourselves and one of the beautiful things there's so many negative things about the internet i think that kids now despite all the negativity they get from it, they can feel less alone, hopefully, than they did when I was a kid, I think. Well, that's that's what this is all about, man. Yeah. And I don't know if your 13-year-old has a phone yet. He does, but, yeah. Well, it's... I know. The social media thing. We it's rough. Until she was 15 before we allowed her to have it. And we monitored it really hard. But then last summer, we didn't. And this early, this semester of 10th grade... She's gotten kind of out of control with it. So one of the ramifications is that she has no social media till she's out of the doghouse. She has to pay back all those demerits and stuff. And that's going to take a few months, a couple of months. And I'm like, you lived without it before. You can live without it now. Not going to kill you. We didn't have it. We made no. it through okay. We figured things out. So oh, I got in a lot of trouble. I didn't need that shit. And yeah, you could get you could you could do some serious damage without a cell phone, that's for sure. But um you know, I mean, it's all about perspective and just being one as a parent um being reflective um instead of being reactive. Yeah. You know, listening. Sorry, I didn't understand um, that. Sorry. <laughs> She she's a very bossy lady. This lady. <laughs> yeah, she she kind of runs all of our lives. This lady right here, <laughs> and that lady right in that. Yeah, 
She's everywhere. And then when she's not there, there's Alexa, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. She's everywhere. They're everywhere. Um, and for a guy who's been married four times, it's pretty normal <laughs> for me to be told what to do by a woman. I, just, I, I find my life is better. I left yeah. to my own devices. I'm, I'm not great on my own. So yeah. I, I, I'm okay with being and they're, in directions. It's, and they're nice to you, you know? I mean, <laughs> sex with you. It's wonderful. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I've been yeah. It's, it's awesome. I love yeah. They they see something in us somehow. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I I'm a very very lucky man. I'm well, 14 for years yourself. Old. I make a lot of money. I know. What you're <laughs> <me>. <laughs> well, I don't have that's that going not, for. I had to go. True. I had to go on charm alone, and I'm not exactly the most charming individual. So. Well, I when I was drinking, man, if you know, when I get up to two to three drinks, I was super charming, super charming could sell anything to anybody charm the pants off just about any woman that i wanted to never tried with men but yeah, who knows yeah um, but uh the point problem is keep drinking you feel like you've stayed the same but everybody else sees you you're like hey how you doing <laughs> but to you it's like hey baby how you doing to them it's like <laughs> you know you know have you uh that's hot Jim, gibberish is you know that's an aphrodisiac right gibberish. have you seen uh seen the movie what is it uh 40 year old virgin it's directed by judd apatow and it has leslie mann in it leslie mann is judd apatow's wife i love leslie mann okay so the scene where she's drunk in that movie okay the part where she's drunk in that apparently that's based on reality because she thought she well, was that's his I, wife yeah, yeah, that's his wife. And she thought she was like this charming drunk that was very funny and just, you know, gregarious when she went out. She was great to be around. She was the life of the party. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. I want you to go out with Seth tonight. I want you guys to drink and I want Seth to record it. And that's what we're going to base a performance on. And then she finally saw what she was actually like when she drinks that night. And so, yeah, that, it's that exact thing that you're talking about, the reality of it and what our perception of it is. Those are wildly different things. I love that movie, and I love uh, I love uh, Knocked Up, where so you know, those characters came from originally. Yeah. You know? Yep. But, but uh, man, you know we've been through that with, with uh, stop eating cupcakes, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm oh, that's gonna... this is forty, yes, <laughs> huh? That's this is 40. Oh, you're talking about 40 year old virgin. No, no, no. This is 40 is the one that I was talking. Yes. Yeah. The three you're of those about titles. This is 40. This is 40. No, that's me and my wife, one of our favorite movies. The with Paul Rudd and the cupcakes. Love it. Yes. Amazing. With the cupcakes, putting it in the trash and taking the trash, taking another bite. Um, as a person with addictive behavior, yes, I can I can and uh him doing the baseball thing on the sly. She thinks he's having an affair. That 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 that's totally like sometimes my wife, I'm I'm like, I'm gonna go to a meeting at the studio and have a meeting, and she'll be like, she'll come in all dressed up and she'll be like, and I'm sitting there with a bunch of sober guys. Hey baby, what's up? Is everything okay? Like, yeah. I'm okay. And then the lady she'll tell me, I didn't think you were there. I just got crazy and thought you were somewhere else. <laughs> or 
or that you had a woman in the studio. I go, you really think I would bring a woman into a guitar room with no bed? Really? You don't think I'm going to go get a fucking hotel room? I wouldn't give you the exact address of where I was going, probably. Look, I was unfaithful with every person and woman in my life until I met her. And lo and behold, I don't know, go figure. We've been married, been together for almost 20 years. Oh, congratulations, man. Yeah. And thank you. And um, it's not a coincidence. You know, it's not an accident. When you're with the right one, it's not that hard. Well, and you got to be in the right place to be with the right one. I wasn't there. I hadn't done the work. And I was, when I met her, I was willing to do the work. And uh, I left a lot of blood in the water and um, a lot of amends that I've made and still, still need to, and we'll, we'll do in due time. You know, if they'll let me, if not, that's cool too. But well, I, you know, I write them out. That's what we do in the program. Well, um, all we can do is try to be better than we were the day before. It's just try to be a little bit better, a little bit more centered, a little bit more grounded, a little bit more humble every day that we easy. go forward. Absolutely. Well said. And it's easier to do when you can remember what you did the day before, <laughs> which I can now. That, that's very and again, true. As I get older, I'm starting to forget things. So who knows? Anyway. <laughs> Start going to the other side. Well, I know we're way over, man, but yeah, I, I got to get going. I know. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this day. Art. It was really nice to meet you and nice uh, nice. congratulations on the live record. That's a, uh, I had a blast with it. It's been great listening to it and just uh, having the interview postponed just meant I got to listen to it for a couple more days. And this is definitely oh. one that's going to keep showing up. So, and the double uh, Coke bottle green. I know it's so good. It's, so, right? it's fucking dope. Man. It looks gram. great. Yeah. Have you put it on? You listen to the vinyl? I have. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm fucking awesome. It does. That thick, heavy vinyl. And Coke bottle green is the original vinyl. Yep. For black in it, you know? And it, it's pure though. It's, there's no impu- impurities in it. That's why they started putting black in it. So you wouldn't see the impurities. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm a, I I, like it. I, yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for um, well presented vinyl, and this is definitely one that I think people would enjoy, and they should definitely pick it up. So, congratulations, man! Thanks, brother. Thanks for your right, time. Take care. Nice to meet you, man. Yeah. Bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
Boys crack.